What's up, everybody? My name is Caleb Confusioni, and welcome to the house. Alongside me today is my wonderful co-host, Mr. Caleb Prozy, and sitting in for Naaman Smith today is North Carolina basketball expert, Mr. Matthew Hilliard. And you thought I was done, but I'm not. We have one more person in studio with us today. Miss Laura is here, our Jacksonville Jaguars super fan, here to give us all of the deets and emotions that happened this past weekend in the Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Los Angeles Chargers game. I'm going to kick it over to Mr. Prozy. We've got lots more to dive into today. He's going to give you a rundown of the episode, and then we will get cooking. All right, yeah. We had a wonderful weekend of football. I call it the NFL's wild, wild card weekend. It was really fun to witness, especially that Jaguar game. I know Laura was super happy. I know I was super happy. I cried. I ran down the street, and I almost threw up. So I had a great weekend. Another thing that's happening in the NFL is there's a lot of QB drama. Do we have the answers to all the questions people are asking about these NFL quarterbacks? Probably not, but we're going to talk about it. And for the last part of our rundown, we have updates on everything college basketball as we inch closer and closer to that March Madness tournament. But before we start, I wanted to ask Laura a few questions since she is our special guest today. Matt has been on before, so we're not going to ask him anything. But Laura, tell the world where you're from, why you're a huge Jaguars fan, and since you're also looking to get into the sport industry, what is your dream job in the sport industry with what team? Okay. Hi, my name is Laura. I was born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida. I've been a Jaguars fan my entire life. I just kind of grew up with it. And I was kind of born into being a fan of the team, and I've loved it so much. Um, I'm currently a student at Florida State. Um, I plan on double majoring in digital media production and sport management. And my dream, like, after I graduate, would be to work for the Jags because I've been a fan my entire life. Like, it just... That'd be such a dream come true. Um, and I'd want to work in the digital media field within that. Yeah. And uh, for those of you guys who don't know, Laura did shadow with the Jaguars media department last summer where she got a lot of good experience, especially with that social media team who is undefeated, yeah, absolutely so crushing it over on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, whatever have you. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love getting on my phone and seeing what the Jaguars come up with. So before we head into the what's happening in sports, I want to give Naaman Smith a call. He is on the road right now, traveling home to see his parents, and I just wanted to include him in this week's episode to give us the question of the week. So I'm going to give him a quick call. Hello. What's up, dude? Hey, what up, guys? So Naaman, we're currently live right now. I want you to give us four in the studio the question of the week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. I've been thinking hard about this. If you could be part of one fictional family or like a friend group what fictional family or friend group would you be a part of so yeah the question is if you could be a part of what fictional family or friend group which one would it be who has an answer and wants to go first shoot i'll go first okay confusing i had one like immediately come into my mind and it's probably a pretty mainstream answer but i would love to be a part of the weasley family from harry potter why is that Cause I, okay, so you've got you got Ron, you got Fred and George, you got Percy, you have Ginny and the mom and the dad. I don't remember what their names are, but they're all a bunch of super cool gingers who live in a sick house, and they're always casting spells all the time to like do all their chores and stuff for them. And they just like I don't know, they like duel in the backyard together and what I don't know. It's just a cool wizard and witch family. And I remember the the movie when the movie came out and it showed like their house and everything. I was like, "That's so sick! I could I could live there with them." I would be like, I would just replace Harry, basically. Okay, okay. Who else has got an answer? I can get mine. All right, name and go ahead and give your answer. Okay, all right. I was thinking about it. Like Scooby Doo would be cool, but there's not really a family. That '70s show is a good one too. But mine would be the Phineas and Ferb family. Uh, just like so many backyard adventures in the summertime, it would just be a vibe. Like every day would be a different adventure. So uh, it'd be super cool. And Kansas would just always try to get us in trouble, but we'd always just outmaneuver. So yeah. That's a good one. That is a good one. Nice. I got to think about mine. You got an answer, Matt? Yeah, I'll go ahead and go. Okay. I think I would probably be adopted into the Incredibles family. That's a good one. Yeah, that's a good. One. good. Um, I think obviously just 
With my array of talents, um, I think that I would fit very well into this family. Um, I think it's no no secret that Mr. Incredible has been, you know, that the alpha, the big dog for a little too long, and I think he uh, he needs a son to uh, just humble him and uh, take him down a notch. So I think that I would <laughs> happily fulfill that role and be adopted into the Incredibles family. That's good. That's good. Laura, do you have an answer? I do have one. So mine is more of a friend group because one of my favorite TV shows is Friends and there's always something to laugh about and I feel like it's always a good time for those people. So I feel like if I could be a part of a group, it would be that group. Central Perk, baby. Yes. Okay. okay. I'm trying to think. uh, I still am stumbling. I think I'm going to go with kind of keep that wizard train going with what Caleb said that kind of piqued my interest. I want to be a part of the Wizards of Waverly Place family. Oh, wow. Great answer. That, like, I know one of us has to become the family wizard, but, like, at the same time, you get to grow up just doing magic. And, like, even if you don't get to be the family wizard, you still get to teach your kids magic at some point. And so having just being, having magic be a part of the family... Also, owning a family restaurant, that sounds like a dream to me. And um, And it's an Italian restaurant. Yeah. The Russos. The Russos. Russos. I think that would be sick. So, yeah, I wouldn't mind being a part of that family. So, uh, yeah. Good question, Naaman. Yeah. yeah, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Oh. I'm glad you guys guys all have really good answers. Yeah. Uh, So, (laughs) what? Like, the Phineas and Ferb one wasn't even that high up, really. Yeah. You guys have better interest than me, I think. But yeah, you know, I like I like the Phineas and Ferb one, but one question I wanted to ask you before you head out is, yeah. if you had a hot take for this weekend of divisional round playoff football, what would it be? Jeez, uh, I think the Cowboys are going to show up in Philadelphia, and they are going to get blown out by the most points this weekend. I, I think that game's not even going to be close. The Cowboys play the 49ers in San Francisco. So, oh, my bad. Sorry, sorry. The Giants. The Giants. Sorry. I meant the Giants. The Giants are going to show up. The Giants are versus the Eagles. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did the Giants. Sorry. The Giants are going to get blown out by the Eagles, and the game will be over by halftime. So. Oh, uh, hot take. I don't, hey, I don't man. Really have a hot uh, take, but I feel like that's like a semi hot. That's mad uh, disrespect to Daniel Dimes. Dimes. Yeah, I think, I think it's not going to be close. So, yeah. But I have one about the Jaguars, another one, but I'm going to keep that to myself. Uh, I'll let you guys have nice. positive vibes. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so, but I'm on the road, so I got to go, boys. But uh, thanks for having me on this week. I know it wasn't the full episode, but, uh, yeah, have a good rest of your episode, guys. All right. See you, Naaman. Bye, Naaman. See you, guys. Bye, Naaman. Safe travels. Wow. I like that. I like doing that. That was fun. That was pretty good. If you'd like to be a caller on a future episode, just let us know. Just let us know. And if you don't have our number, DM the To The House Instagram, and we will make sure to have a little call-in session if you have information that is worthy. So <laughs> moving forward into the what's happening here in sport, again, like I said, the wild card weekend is done, and as we head into the divisional round, we'll ask the big question, who's going to advance and who is going home? Uh, These top eight teams, a lot of them can make some big moves. I think any game is winnable for any team. So we'll dive more deep into that later. Also, the big question around the NFL is the quarterback drama. Is Lamar Jackson going to get paid? Is Brady and Rodgers' career done? Or are they coming back maybe with a new team? Who knows? Are the Vikings going to stick with Kirk Cousins? Are the Saints going to get a new quarterback? Is Justin Fields the guy? So many questions surrounding this quarterback drama here in the NFL. Who knows what's going to happen? And then, to mention again, the NCAA basketball is heading into the springtime, which means March Madness is coming up, which means teams have got to get right now. Mistakes can happen in the fall, but once spring rolls around, you've got to be close to perfect, especially if you've been struggling in the fall. Kind of like the Carolina Tar Heels, but we hope that they can, as they get closer to March Madness, we can see some big, big push for that tournament. So I want to kind of rehash Wild card weekend. Uh, Laura, do you want to give us a rundown of the Jaguar game that happened this weekend? Yes, of course. Okay, so first half, honestly, was kind of rough. Like, I've been a Jags fan for a while. I know what it's like to not be doing so hot. And that was really the first half, like four interceptions and another turnover like that. That really hurt, honestly, you know. 
But then, before the half was over, you know, we got some points on the board. We scored a touchdown, so that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. And then, I'm sure Coach P was up in that locker room hyping them up for the second half. And so, we woke up, and we really got to work, and it showed through for us. We really proved that we are that team, and we deserve a spot in the playoffs. And we came back to win 31-30 to with RP Diddy kicking the game-winning field goal. Like, it was just absolutely amazing. Yeah, one the one thing it's it was just a roller coaster of emotions. I was just watching that first half, ready to throw my chair across the room. I I was so upset with how Trevor was playing, especially after all the team had been through, and they, they just come in and they play like this. Like that's not how a team who is six and one in the last seven games should be happening in the wild card round, uh, especially against a team like the Chargers who just have been struggling. Uh, Brandon Staley has been struggling and. I was like, it's over. It's done. But I'm not going to stop watching because the Jags, again, haven't been in the playoffs since 2017. It's a big deal. So and the Chargers were also down a wide receiver. They were. Too, at that. And when we played them during the season, we won in their stadium. So that's why I felt kind of confident. I was like, okay, we're back in Duval. Like, we can get it done. And luckily we did. But, yeah, that first half was a struggle for us. And then the second half came. And, yeah, like you said, Doug Peterson must have said something to Trevor, said something to the offensive line because it was night and day. It was two different Jaguar teams coming out in two different halves. These, like, Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack were getting shut down. Mm -hmm. Derwin James was quiet the whole game. Austin Eckler Mm -hmm. couldn't rush for more than two yards of carry. It was was a whole different team, and it was just – Trevor Lawrence said it best in his post-game interview. He said, it's amazing what can happen when every man on your roster just believes. If yeah. everybody mm-hmm. believes, anything can happen. And, yeah, Riley Patterson, this guy, this young kid mm-hmm. from Memphis, he he did well. Like, he he's truly shocked me as a Jaguar fan because we haven't had a good kicker since Josh Lambeau. Mm-hmm. And for him to walk it off and to just have trust. And, honestly, I don't know if you guys saw, but the cross necklace he had mm-hmm. that he, like, held up afterwards. He was on full display. He is on full display. Mm-hmm. He is a, he's a true Christian. He believes in the gospel and nothing less. And he was – a lot of the people, especially in the Jaguars locker room and around the NFL, are really admiring his faith mm-hmm. and how he, he gives glory to God at the end of the day. It's not about his own talent. It's about what the Lord has been able to put through him. Yeah. And I'm excited for this Jaguar team. I know Kansas City playing at Arrowhead is rough, but – um, it can mm-hmm. it can be done. If anything, if anything is pro- proven, the Jaguars can do anything as long as they just continue to push forward, continue to better each other every day. So, Matt, Caleb, what do you guys have to think about that game? Not being Jags fans, um, I'll go first. I'll say that um, I kind of I ate my words last weekend. I picked against the Jags, um, going in rooting for the Jags. So I am happy for them, and I am excited to see kind of the rest of their playoff journey and how that goes. Um, But the way that I would kind of compare watching the first half of that game would be like, I have not experienced that amount of pain since like the FSU Alabama season opener where Bama was number one, FSU was number three, (laughs) came in, it was like national championship week one, and the second half um, opened up and they, Alabama just ran away with it after um, an injury and after mistakes and just that brutalizing pain. Um, it, it's it's like, imagine like your teacher calls on you in the 10th grade and your crush is in that class and you weren't paying attention because you fell asleep and you're embarrassed because you have nothing to say for the answer. Like it was that kind of pain watching the first half of this game. Um, <laughs> but second half obviously was a completely different story. Um, I have not seen... Caleb Prozy cry real tears in quite some time. And I think that that was um, kind of an event that, that kind of took place as he was running down Essex Drive um, at full speed after they kicked the game-winning field goal. So what a night, what a game. Looking forward to seeing the rest of their playoff journey. Yeah, it, it was insane. I mean, it, it's funny It's it's funny watching like as an outsider because, I mean, I've been loyal to the Houdat Nation for a long time. And I, I'm rooting for the Jags, but obviously I'm not – I don't feel like what y'all are feeling. But I know I, – I, like I understand it because I've been there with the Saints before too in years where we've had like really close wins. There was a few years there where we were like the comeback kings and it was like we would – you know, second half we'd turn it on. Uh, and I think that's testament to Sean Payton and his genius in the locker room and just making adjustments and things. 
And I think that was the case in this game, too. I think Doug Peterson did a phenomenal job, for one, hyping up his guys in the locker room at the half, and number two, making adjustments so that they could go out there and do what they needed to do to get the job done. Um, Doug Peterson just absolutely 110% outcoached Brandon Staley that game. Yes, yes. I think Brandon Staley's – I. It probably will be without a job. He still hasn't that. been fired yet. As Somehow now. still hasn't been fired. They fired someone else on their staff. I'm not they, sure. Who fired their offensive coach and quarterbacks coach. Or okay. offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. So Okay, OC and QB coach is gone. I, I feel like, I mean, it's got to only be a matter of time before Brandon Staley gets fired unless the Chargers organization is just loyal to the man. And they I mean, they, think some players, better, Derwin James walked into the front office and like says he stands by Brandon Staley. So I, I think it's the DC that's got to go. I honestly think it's their defense. It's just the yeah. people around Brandon Staley have got to go. That that could be it too. I mean that that could be part of it because I mean obviously Staley like they've had some success. I mean they've been a playoff team for the past couple of years. It's mm-hmm. just they have they've underachieved. Like based on paper on what they look like, people think they're going to do way better. Like people think they're like AFC Championship Super Bowl contenders. Well, even us, even us, we were saying at the beginning mm-hmm. of the season, you, me, and Naaman, we would we sat around this mic, dude, and we were all saying the AFC West is going to be the powerhouse yeah. of the NFL. Yeah. But really, it's the NFC East. Yeah, I mean, there's three teams in the NFC East still live in the playoffs. Three yeah. out of the four teams are the top eight in the league. Which is insane. And so, yeah, yeah the Giants, the Eagles, and the Cowboys have all proven that they're dominant forces. Mm-hmm. But there's only one team from the AFC West that's in the playoffs currently. It's crazy. And, I mean, just just to speak about one, one other thing I heard Trevor say was in the post game was, you know, we were at a point, especially, I mean, down 27-0. That was the biggest deficit. Um, and he said at that point, it's like, we're going to go out there and our goal on every drive is to score a touchdown. Mm-hmm. He said if the defense gets a stop for us and we get the ball back, we're going to, you know, we're just going to go score another touchdown. Just one drive at yep. a time, that mm-hmm. kind of mentality. Mm-hmm. I think that's what kept him in this game. And for Trevor, for him to keep his composure as a young quarterback after four picks. 23. Like, yeah. I mean, Asante Samuel just, I mean, he was, shout out yeah. Asante Shout Samuel, out to him. Way. He did a very good job. Um, Former Noel, three right. picks in the first half of a football game. That's unheard of. But for Trevor to keep his composure like that, just... I mean, I have a lot of respect for that. That was a, that was an incredible game by him, and his receivers really stepped up too. They did so. too. Yeah, they, Christian Kirk proved his contract. Um, but honestly, my favorite part was Doug Peterson's post game speech. Mm-hmm. He didn't mention Trevor's name once, so he still keeps Trevor accountable for what happened in that first half. Mm-hmm. Isn't praising him just because he turned it around? Because Doug Peterson says winning is the baseline. Like yeah. Trevor just did his job. He wasn't mm-hmm. like yeah. If Trevor had played like that the whole game then maybe Trevor would have, you know, gotten more praise. But, I mean, he praised the defense. He praised Riley Patterson. He praised the offensive line. I mean, and, yeah, Trevor deserves praise. Trevor played that second half like a top-five quarterback. Yeah. I mean, four touchdown passes, almost 300 yards passing. Like, that's that's amazing for a second half of football. But, yeah, Trevor clearly still has stuff he has to work on, which that was his first half of football in the postseason ever. Not so, a good one. Not a good one, but definitely a learning tool. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I'm I'm excited for Doug. Laura and I were talking about it on the way here. We're mm-hmm. we're excited. We want him to stay. And uh yes. what else do you think? What do you think is going on with the Jags? I mean, I don't know. I just feel like ever since Doug got here, really there was just like a momentum shift almost. And I feel like with a bunch of new guys, there was kind of uncertainty as to where relationships kind of lie. But I feel like this team has really shown, like Duval Nation, that mm-hmm. they can come together as one and they can win. And they can really, like, you know, put up a lot of points. And even when we're down at certain points, like this first half just happened, you know, the second half, like, we still, like, came together. And I feel like that just starts at the coach. Like, I feel like the coach is the who the players look up to, who they go to when they need advice or something like that, like need like a pick-me-up, like the coach is just there for them. And I feel like his role has been really important and he's done a really good job at it. For yeah. sure. Yeah. yeah. My coach used to say, though, a coach only can go so far. Mm-hmm. So I am proud of Doug Peterson and the way that he sparks something, he lights a fire under their rear ends. But those yeah. players, man, those Jaguars, yeah. they at the end of the day, they got it done on mm-hmm. the field. They executed yeah. well. And they stepped up when they had to. So moving forward, I want to dish it over to Caleb to tell me about the G-Man. Yeah, let's talk about it. So another, so a similarity between, you said Doug Peterson mentioned Trevor once. And they asked Brian Dayball, head coach of the Giants, in this post-game interview, 
They're like, so what do you have to say about Because everyone was so shocked that Daniel Jones played such an incredible game. Danny Dimes. I mean, the dude, 24 for 35, two, 301 yards and two tuds. And rushing, he also had a great game rushing. 17 carries, 78 yards. So mm-hmm. the dude, I mean, just on from from all points of view, having a great game, people don't expect it. And so they asked Brian Dayball, like, so what do you what do you make of this? Like, And he said, yeah, he, he did a good job. Like no no like you know hyping him up nothing crazy like I think he's still trying to keep the guy humble but at the same time you know he's like he's a good quarterback I don't know why it's taking y'all so long to see this I had him on my fantasy team this year granted it looked I'm not gonna lie it looked ugly to have the first player on my team be Daniel Jones and I'm just going quarterback for the Giants like that kind of sucks because I drafted a QB late but every week I mean he's putting up at least 16 or 17 fantasy points for me like he was a solid player Mm -hmm. this year and he continues to be into the playoffs. Uh, they obviously they come in and they beat Minnesota, um, which is Oof, Minnesota. Minnesota has some problems though. Minnesota has a lot of problems on the defensive side of the ball. I will for sure. Um, I think their offense is solid, and I think Kirk honestly is a solid mm. QB. I don't think they need to move away from him. I don't know. Um, the minute the Vikings fan base doesn't think that way. I, I think you have to look holistically this year. He's been good in big moments. He's won a lot of close games. I think at the end of the day, it's the defense that really gave up this game for them. Um, and I think, honestly, it's it's surprising that the defense didn't give up more games throughout the season because they had, I mean, I think they had a negative point differential and they went 13-4 and four or something yeah. on the year. Yeah. So it's it's the, some, th- some things on the defensive side of the ball definitely need to be cleaned up. But I'm excited for the Giants. Uh, excited for say Quad Barkley, dude. Um, that guy is an absolute animal, uh, and I think I mean I think this Giants team is going to give Philly a run for their money. I don't know if they'll win. I'm still honest. I'm still making up my mind on who to pick later. Yeah. In the episode, but uh, it's it's going to be a really good game. Yeah. Um, one good game of note by a very young guy, and I mean we all we all have seen this. I mean it's been happening for a few weeks. Brock Purdy. Mm. That man, yes, he was playing Seattle, but they scored 41 points after being down against the Seahawks. And I just want everybody to give, like, what do you guys think of Brock Purdy? I'll go first. Um, I think he's awesome. Quite frankly, like, (laughs) I just, like, as a person, as a football player, like, he came in when Jimmy G got hurt, and everybody was like, oh, like, Mr. Irrelevant, like, the last pick in the draft, like, who who is this kid? And he really, like, he proved himself 100%. Like, I think he deserves to be in San Francisco with that starting job, even if Jimmy G is healthy. If they keep going, like, I think Brock Purdy is their guy, and I think he's really made connections with a lot of guys on the team, um, and those relationships are really great, and I just think he's balled out. Like, he really has. Yeah. So. Yeah, I'll go. Um, I think I think it was Caleb um, Confucione who said it um, recently on the pod that, um, and I agree with him that the 49ers are just a really complete team. Like they just there's there's no real like one area where they're like you know their offense is great but their defense has problems like the Vikings or like their defense is a powerhouse but they just can't put points on the board. Like I think that they're just a very very well rounded yeah. team. And I think that to go along with that, I think the facilitator of their team, Brock Purdy, is just a very well-rounded, like, all-together, mm-hmm. put-together quarterback. I mean, versus the Seahawks, yeah, he, he went 18 of 30, 332 yards, um, and three touchdowns. And then he also had four carries for 16 yards and one touchdown. Um, so, I mean, you look at that, and obviously over 300 yards passing – Big numbers there, 18 of 30, you know, right around 60%. So it's not like he was struggling to facilitate the ball. It's not like he was the most accurate guy you've ever seen in your life. You know, it's just like a, a very good, like in my in my mind, when I think of like what I want in a franchise quarterback, that's, that's kind of what I would want. Someone mm-hmm. who can go out there, average 60, 65% of their passes, put up, you know, around 300 yards passing and maybe, you know, put it in the end zone a couple times. I mean, you can't really... Mm-hmm ask for a franchise quarterback to do more than that week to week. Um, so yep. I agree with Confucione when he said that the 49ers are just well put together all around team. And that's what I think about Brock Purdy as well. Purdy is a dog. That is my one use of the word this, this, this week, this episode, I'm going to just limit myself. I'm going to use it on him. Yeah. Is he is 
Mr. Irrelevant, playing with a chip on his shoulder, right, comes in. And, I mean, he's balling out. If if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, why would you put Jimmy G back in? Why would you give Trey Lance another shot? This guy is running the offense, and he's running it well in the playoffs. I know it's I know it's a tough pill to swallow because both of those – I mean, I don't think we really know enough about Trey Lance yet. I don't think we've gotten quite a big enough sample size yeah. to say whether yeah. or not he's that good. I think based on what we have seen, I would say he's a two. But, again, I'd like to see him a little bit more. Jimmy G's a good QB. I think there's a lot of other places he could go and be successful. Yes. looking QB for sure. Oh, yeah. yes. Jimmy G. You are Q. correct, sir. Um, but Brock Purdy is just – I'm so excited for this guy. And I, I texted – we mentioned Drew Cornelius every week. I texted him and I said, Brock, I said, Mr. Irrelevant is going to win Super Bowl MVP. That was my wildest take. Of the year, and it really—I mean, it's not so wild. Like, I mean, this—they they can make it. I honestly think, mm-hmm. I think that Trey Lance, forget him, forget that dude. But there's a reason Kyle Shanahan started him over Jimmy G, and so I think that Jimmy G did play well when he got the opportunity. Mm-hmm. But Brock Purdy has to go far in this playoff to be considered over Jimmy G, because Jimmy yeah. G brought him to a Super Bowl. He did. He he brought the 49ers to a Super Bowl. And so if Brock Purdy can do that, then he's proved himself. For and sure. Cause, but also, the 49ers didn't have Christian McCaffrey when Jimmy G was the quarterback. That's very true. Right. For, a good, for a good portion. Mm-hmm. Like, and the 49ers didn't have an absolute dog in Debo Samuel. I think he's wonderful, but he was injured when Jimmy G was playing. Yeah. So I think Brock Purdy has the necessary tools. I say let's see what Jimmy can do with the same tools, and then we make a decision. Yeah, I mean, if 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 Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl, I think it's no question. Yes, if he wins the Super Bowl, it's no question. The fact that they're still Super Bowl favorites, yeah, goes to show that people trust in him. But Jimmy G did the same thing. You know what I mean? That's true. That's true. So I think it's going to take a little. I think Kyle Shanahan's offensive-minded brain is going to look at this from a very wide lens. Yeah. yeah. It's a good take. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, it's, if Brock Purdy... What is the there is a plane, landing yeah, outside? There is a plane flying over us right now. Um, If Brock Purdy does win a Super Bowl, right, that, you know, he's going to be starting next year. That's yeah. almost a given. Mm-hmm. I don't think Jimmy G needs to stick around because there's plenty of other teams in the NFL that Jimmy G could go to and be a good starting quarterback. Let's talk about that. Okay. <laughs> what what teams are in need of a quarterback right now? Uh, the Jets are in severe need of a quarterback. A lot of people think Miami needs a quarterback. People never talk about New Orleans, but New Orleans kind of needs a QB. Uh, Carolina, maybe. Carolina I, will never hurt from a better quarterback. I mean, I, I think, and you've said it too, I agree. Like, Sam Darnold's good. Sam, like, Sam Darnold with a good enough cast around him can be successful. I mean, I think Brock Purdy's testament to that. He stepped into an outstanding, you know, surrounding cast. Yeah. Um, Atlanta could possibly use a quarterback. The Colts. Um, the the Colts need a lot of things. Um, the Texans probably need a QB, but no one wants to go there. So th- those are a few off the top of my head. I yeah, dude. It it is. I mean, maybe the Raiders too. Yeah. Yeah, because Derek Carr's. Yeah, that's true. Uh, that's yeah. an obvious one. So, I mean, there's just a lot of. Quarterback drama and like, will the Bucks need a quarterback? Will the Packers need a quarterback? Will Jordan Love step up? I, I, I want to see what Jordan Love can do. I, 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 w- I would be excited to see that kid start. I think he would add a whole new culture to that Green Bay team. Um, I, I really want to see him get his opportunity. He's been, you know, playing under Rodgers for a couple years now, more than a couple years now. Yeah. And, uh, I think he's probably learned a lot from Rodgers, probably taking a lot of reps with some ones and twos on that team. Mm-hmm. Give him a weapon, and, I mean, he's got athleticism. He's got legs. He could really – Green Bay could be back next year if Jordan Love is, is starting. That that's that might be a little hot to take. But Now, I, I personally want Brady gone. I don't know if everybody else agrees. Laura, what do you think about the whole Tom Brady situation? I definitely agree. I mean, I feel like Tom Brady had his run. He did great. And then – he retired, and that was a really good, you know, stopping point for him. Like, he knew, okay, I've had my time, whatever. And then he came back, and it kind of just went downhill from there. Yeah. Like, honestly, I feel like people's respect for him kind of went down. Like, honestly, maybe even his respect, like, the teammates' respect for him may have even decreased seeing how he acts on the sidelines, like how he – and I don't know, I guess it's because 
you love the game so much and you care so much. But you also need to be able to differentiate between, okay, like now let's focus on other things that are more important than the game. So I feel like there's kind of a gray area there that he's kind of stuck in. But no, I don't think he should be playing right now. I don't think it's good. Yeah. I'm going to play devil's advocate a little bit here on this take. I was about to quote you. I think I know what you're going to say. So what I'll, what I'll say about Brady is he has only ever not clinched his division twice in the entire duration of his career. And one of those two was not this season. Granted, he does play in the NFC South right now. And as we know, the NFC South is... Doo-doo. Doo-doo. Um, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad stuff. Um, <laughs> however, down here, folks. I mean, he won, he won the NFC South. Yes, he had a losing record this season, but still he clinched his division. So in the entirety of his career, he has only ever not clinched his division two times. One of them was not this season. Mm. And so, I mean, I think as long as that trend continues... Like I mean, we've you've said it. We've said it on the podcast. Like in the NFL, to a to an extent, to a degree, like it doesn't matter what your regular season record is. Like yeah. once, it's like March Madness, man. Like once you're in, you're in. Yeah, like, right. it matters yeah. what you do. How do you play when you're in? Yeah, and as I mean, we've all said it. We've all quoted it. Playoff Brady is a different Brady. Playoff Brady must have missed the flight or something. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it was in Tampa this this week. I don't know what happened. Um, but even, I mean, even Monday night, I mean, you look at, like, what he did Monday night, he, he threw for a career-high 66 passes, mm-hmm. um, completed 35 of those, had 351 yards through the air, yeah. um, two touchdowns, one in crap time, and just one interception. Um, but I think, honestly, like I said, as long as you are continuing that trend where you play in the NFL for 20 years and you have clinched your division in all of those except for two – I mean, it's it's hard pressed to say that like he's forgotten how to win or like he doesn't know how to get to the playoffs because even in a season where he has clearly struggled to facilitate an offense and they've clearly had synergetic issues on that offense, like you cannot deny like he still knows how to get there. He still knows how to play games. One thing that I think if Brady does stay that that offense will be looking for is the run game. You mentioned it, 66 passes. A quarterback doesn't throw 66 passes if they have a decent running back. Ronnie White, Leonard Fournette, they're not it. Leonard Fournette wasn't it in Jacksonville. That's why we got rid of him. Mm-hmm. I mean, he didn't want to be there, granted. Mm-hmm. No. But, and he did win a Super Bowl with Tom. But that's because, and I'm blanking on his name, the RB1 on that Super Bowl team carried that run game. And I forget his name. But Leonard was RB2 going into Tampa. Rojo? Yes, Rojo. Yeah. He was way better than Leonard Fournette. And Rojo Leonard Fournette, was a beast. Yeah. yeah, Leonard Fournette played well in the Super Bowl. But that's him. He has flashes. Leonard Fournette isn't your back. Ronnie White is not your back. He is not. Yeah. Ronald Jones there. Yeah. Rojo. I was try- still trying to figure it out. But I think if Tom Brady stays, Byron Leftwich, who is the offensive coordinator for the Buccaneers, who actually was a former Jags quarterback, wonderful guy, they'll be looking for a running back. I could potentially see Tampa Bay trading up in the draft and maybe to get B. John Robinson. Mm. I, because he's the talk of this draft, in my opinion. If you're looking for a running back, you want him. Yeah. So I, I'm interested to see what happens with Brady. But like, I'm going to quote Matt again. Like, like Matt said, we were watching the Monday night game. Brady is addicted to winning. That's why he's. That's that's honestly why the family drama happened. He's so addicted to the game. He's so addicted to that next win. Winning is his baseline. Yeah. Anything yeah. less than that is unacceptable. And so, you don't get to seven Super Bowls. And you're not like your ego and your pride isn't worth everything to you. Yeah. And so I think Tom, there's a good chance he could come back. There's a good chance where he says just one more. Like yeah. that's, yeah. that's how he's been. That's why he's in Tampa Bay. Yeah. Like, yeah. I'm going to agree with you. And I'm going to say this like, as like, and in, in a disrespect, in a, in a respectful way, I'm going to say this It's going to sound disrespectful, but I honestly, I mean it in a respectful way. Like, Tom Brady, honestly, like like a Michael Jordan, would rather win championships than be your stereotypical go home, have a happy family. Like he truly would. I mean, if you like Kobe Bryant too. Kobe Bryant. Like look go back and look at like the last dance documentary that came out. Like mm-hmm. all the teammates who Michael Jordan has ever played with who had influential, like meaningful parts in those championships, all said like 
that's who Mike was. Like winning, like you said, was his baseline, and that mattered more to him than anything else. And I think mm-hmm. that, like you said, Tom Brady, or like we said, Tom Brady is addicted to winning. That is his baseline. That is his expectation wherever he goes. And that just that that has been, you know, if he's forty five years old and he's been in the league for twenty years now, and he's played in the appeared in the Super Bowl in half of that time and half of those seasons, like there's just no denying that that is his expectation, that is his life, and that's what he expects out yeah, of himself. Even when he wasn't yeah. at the Super Bowl, he was uh, he was in a suit, he was broadcasting. They asked him, "What's your plan?" He says, "I'm not showing up next year's Super Bowl in a suit." Like. That's the, and then next year he came back and won the Super Bowl. Like yeah. it, it, it just doesn't make sense. To, like yeah, it comes at a price. Yeah. Like his yeah. his marriage done, his relationship with his family. We don't know how that looks. Yeah, but yeah. he's winning. He's yeah. in the playoffs. Like yeah, that's to me that's not a good trade. To yeah. me, if I'm 45 years old, yeah. I'm thinking about where are my kids going to college. Yeah. You know, like mm-hmm. I'm not thinking about getting another ring after I have the most rings yeah. of any franchise he himself yeah. has more rings than any franchise yeah so i, mean, I don't know I, I like should he retire in my opinion yes i think he should i think he but should hang will he will he retire i mean it, it's like i've never seen tom brady retire before so why would he now like i mean yeah. i have seen him retire before but he, he came went, back he went back yeah. afterwards so it's like i don't know i mean like, like you said, if I'm that old, first of all, 66 passes in a game for a 45 year old, like the toll that that's going to take on his body yeah. is insane. So, like, if I'm 45, I'm thinking about my body and just like, can I take another year of that? I mean, this yeah. is like the most absolute, like, craziest athletes in the world running at me, trying to hit me every single play. And then, yeah. obviously, I mean, if he's in an offense where he's throwing 66 passes a game, I mean, that's like. I mean, like a pitcher, like you throw so many pitches, your arm's going to be incredibly same thing with a QB. So I don't think he retires only only because of what we've said about his relationship with winning. If he yep. is if he is addicted to winning, and therefore that makes him an addict. The nature of being an addict to anything is not I need one more high. I need yeah. to go out on one more high. Yeah. And I don't it. think yeah. And if he is an addict to winning, if he is a slave to winning. I just don't see a Tom Brady who's appeared in 10 Super Bowls, won seven of them. I don't see a man who does that going out with a losing record and yeah. getting knocked out in the wild card round of the playoffs. I mean, even if he comes back, I I can make the argument that it won't be with Tampa Bay. I, that's I agree what I was going to say. I agree I, with you there. And I'll, I'll give a couple scenarios, a couple places, landing spots I think will be best for him. If he truly wants to win – another ring before he calls it quits or before he tries to win another one. I think Miami might work. I think you step into Miami. You bring him a title. You've got a great cast. You have a good defense in Miami. You have great weapons at receiver. You have a solid running game and a solid O-line. And a great tight end. Just let him sling it, dude. Miami or the New York Jets? The Jets. The Jets' defense is Jets probably one of the best on paper that I've seen. Top tier. Leonard Williams coming off the D-line. Sauce Gardner in the secondary. I I would be floored if the Jets went to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, I mean, that's what the Jets need, and the mold of quarterback they need is a pocket passer like Brady. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what they've been going after. That's what they need in that system to succeed. I think – I mean, Brady going back to that division – Knows that division well. Granted, it's a new division now than it was when he was with the Pats, but could it's a challenge. Could be interesting. Could yeah. the Jets be taken off next season? I mean, going back to we were hyping up the Jets defense. Y'all can't be forgetting about Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine from FSU. True. Like he's he's True. a baller as well. So I had to make sure I got him in there. Yeah, yeah. he's he's doing well. I think that Jets organization fits his play style perfectly. Um, I'm excited to see what happens with Jamie Robinson. Who is entering the draft? Mm-hmm. Where he ends up going? And uh, we saw Jared Verse decline the draft. Yeah, um, which is sweet. I think yeah. that's good for FSU. But I mean, if I was his agent, I, I think I'd tell him to go uh, personally because yeah. he'd be very. He's very. But I mean, if he can raise his draft stock anymore, I'm glad you're not his agent. I know. I'm glad I'm not his agent too. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm saying from from a business standpoint, I think he should have gone to the draft. I but as a fan, can. I'm glad he's staying. I think yeah. he can definitely boost his draft stock a lot because I think he's a yeah. freak athlete. 
and I've said this to a couple people. I think he's a freak athlete, and he's incredible. Obviously, like just his size and his strength and his speed is, I mean, speaks for itself. But there are some technical things, and since just some like football smarts things that he could clean up on, yeah, which could make him probably a top five overall pick. I think he's yeah. just he's bought into this culture. He wants to see it through to the end for sure. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. The last thing I'll say about it is like. I agree with you. I'll quote Nick Saban when it comes to like raising your your draft stock. He t- he talks about like players foregoing playing in the postseason, whether it's a bowl game or a championship game, whatever. Like the way that you boost your draft stock is playing football. Yeah. Like you don't boost your draft stock by declaring. Yeah, by sitting out or declaring for the draft and saying I'm just going to train now. Like the way yeah. you boost your draft stock is playing more football, and I think that that's what Jared Burst is coming to do. And I'm very excited to see it. Yeah, so one more game of note. I think the – just going to say this really quick and then we'll move on to some NCAA basketball. The Bengals versus the Ravens game was a shootout. It was very good football with Tyler Huntley playing quarterback. And, I mean, that team, J.K. JK Dobbins even spoke out and he said, in like at a public press conference, if we had Lamar Jackson, we would have won. Mm-hmm. And that is such a disrespect. Like you gotta love your players, your team. You gotta be able to know that you you can win with whoever is under center. Yeah. And the fact that J.K. Dobbins said if we had Lamar, we would have won is such a backhand to Tyler Huntley and all the work he's had to put in in Lamar's absence. Like that's not fair. That's like the Eagles slander. Like when when Gardner Minshew had to go in for the Eagles, all they were there with him. They said, okay, let's go. You know, I think we can do this, and they. They got beat by the Saints. They got okay. They got beat by the Saints, but they played such a great game against the they Cowboys. They and so, like, it's not like they were like, if we had Jalen, we would have won. It's like, no, the team played bad. Like, the team did not perform the way the team should have. Yeah. And the way that J.K. Dobbins just put the whole loss on Tyler Huntley's shoulders, I I can't help but get a bad taste in my mouth from yeah. it. And on the flip side of that, it's like I know you're trying to support Lamar, but. Like, also, making those kinds of comments and putting the pressure on Lamar of, like, should I have played or should I have come back early? Should I have put a brace on it and play? Like, I think that that raises a lot of questions and it just raises a lot of insecurities in players and quarterbacks who have these kinds of injuries because, like, Mm -hmm. can you brace up a knee and play on a torn ACL or a torn LCL? Yes, but ask RG3. At what cost? Yeah. At At what cost? cost. Because look at... If you look at like all the literature and so many studies and sports sciences, like I don't, I, I can't, I'm not going to quote off the top of my head because I don't know if it's the majority, but I do know that a large percentage of ACL injuries, especially in football, are non contact injuries. They have yeah. to be yeah. either by picking up a football, like that's a missed snap, like RG3 or celebration, like. It's not always getting blindsided by a 300 pound man going yeah, and 20 miles an Lamar hour. Lamar is the most, one of the most agile quarterbacks, and he's always shifting. Right. That shift, that pivot, that move right. is going to be his downfall. And that was RG3's downfall. And that's yeah. why he's in the broadcast booth to this day. Like, no mm-hmm. respect to RG3. When he was at Baylor, I, I thought he was going to be the NFL's next great historic quarterback. Right. And but could he have been? It could I think he could time yeah. to heal up instead of putting on a brace and playing through it. So all that to say, mm-hmm. I think Lamar is making the right move for himself and for the longevity of his career. I think he has a lot more good football to play. Now a question yeah. a question for Laura as far as this is is like teams want their franchise quarterbacks to win. And do you think that the media puts pressure on these teams to put out guys who just aren't ready? Yeah, 100%. I think if there is even a little bit of a rumor or a little bit of a hot take, the media is going to take it and blow it up out of proportion 100%. Like with this whole Lamar thing, like I feel like even if he is slightly injured, the media will downplay the injury and upplay the, oh, well, what if he just plays through it? What if he just keeps going? But they never explain like the downfall that that could have for him. Like, and they never give him respect for like the decision that he makes since he decided not to play. Like, the media is never going to be like, oh, like good for him. They're going to be like, why not? They're going to be like, you know, what could have happened? Yeah. And so, yeah, I just feel like the media definitely upplays it. Yeah. Sure. I think, it, yeah. I think it's just, I think. Media is good to an extent, and I'm saying this having worked in the media mm-hmm. and my mother having been in the media, it yeah. it's toxic. Like, the way these NFL commentators just, like, argue constantly until mm-hmm. they're blue in the face about yeah. what players should do and, like, what they should do. Like, what does the doctor think they should do? Like, yeah. that, like we saw with Tua this year, like, the doc, even the doctor's yeah. opinion could be 
wrong. Like yeah. the player has to be honest and really look at themselves and say, am I ready to go out there? Right. Am I ready sure. to put a hundred percent of my body on the line for this team? And if I'm not, then you just got to trust the guy coming up after me. Right. Like mm-hmm. that's what a backup is for. And that's the nature of the game when it comes to media these days. It's like, why do you think we keep coming out with like new football leagues all the time? The XFL, arena football, the CFL. Like why do we come out with all these leagues so that we can watch football year round? Because America is a, like Tom Brady. Addicted. They're addicted. Mm-hmm. They're addicted to entertainment. They are mm-hmm. addicted to stimulation. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's an unfortunate part of the business, but obviously like, the media's main goal, the media's form, media's main form of currency is to provide stimulation, to provide attention, mm-hmm. to provide entertainment to people who are watching sports. Yeah. 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 I think, and I mean, this is a little bit of a change of the subject. Same thing, same about Lamar, but not, not same topic, I guess. I think, I think we could probably like pretty confidently say if you did, if Lamar was hundred percent healthy and he was starting quarterback for that game, that the Ravens probably could have won. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think you that's can a fair say you can, we can all think that. I mean, that, to come out and no, say no, no, it. I, I don't think from, from J.K. Dobbins where he's at as a member of that team should not have said that. Obviously, yeah. that's yeah. a stab. That's a stab in the back to Tyler Huntley. Tyler Huntley's still a very talented quarterback. Lamar's yeah. just extremely dynamic. He's one of the very yeah. few like very dynamic quarterbacks in the league. I'm I'm saying I think that statement. Really need, really should put some pressure on the Ravens front office to pay the guy, to pay Lamar and get him back next year. Because I think Lamar is, fits extremely well with that organization. He has for a while now. When he's healthy, he definitely like, needed to sit this game. When he's healthy and when he's 100%, that dude can go out there and tear it up. So I think mm-hmm. as poor of a statement as that was from J.K. Dobbins, and I don't condone it at all, at the same time, it's like, if he if Lamar was 100 percent healthy, yeah, the Ravens probably could have won that playoff game and they could be advancing advancing into the divisional round. Um, so I think uh, I think the Ravens need to pay Lamar. They need to get his contract settled. I think that's kind of a call to action for the uh, front office to go ahead and get on that. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll see how that all plays out and how Lamar's career unfolds in this offseason for the Ravens. But I want to give Matt Hilliard a spot in the spotlight where he will talk about all things college basketball and all things that he is interested about in men's basketball as of right now as we inch closer to the March Madness tournament. So, Matt, get a move on. Yeah, um, it'll be kind of quick. I think that there's actually there's a lot of, like, there's been a lot of big speculations and a lot of big movements happening in college basketball, but, like, none of, the, none of them either, like, have a big impact on their team or, like, really mean anything yet i think that there is a lot of exciting things to come that i'm really excited to kind of see how it develops um i'll open just with um the unfortunate news that i'm sure a lot of people have seen by now that alabama's um darius miles was arrested um with a charge of capital murder after um a shooting of a 23 year old woman obviously a lot of tragedy there a lot of attention will be brought to that team and so i'm very interested to see kind of how that team comes together to kind of handle that attention and keeping their identity of Alabama basketball because they're obviously having a great season um, so far. Um, I don't really think that that arrest, and obviously he's been removed from the team already, I don't think that that's going to play a huge impact on the rest of their season. Yeah, they are having a wonderful season. They're having a wonderful season. He's not necessarily like a key role player in that, so I don't foresee like a lot of performance issues from that outside of maybe like the attention and um, the outside distraction of just what it might do for the mental health of that team. Um, you have Kansas State shooting up to number six in the polls this week. I'm kind of excited to see um, where they where they go in the coming weeks. You have the Carolina Tar Heels finally kind of starting to take shape. They've won four of their last five, falling only to a top 15 Virginia team. Um, although they're still unranked, this week they did re- they did receive some votes from the committee. Um, they will match up with their in-state rival NC State on Saturday, um, which would be a very competitive win. The pack is fifteen and four coming into that matchup, and um, the pack also received the most amount of votes from the committee out of any unranked team this week. I think they had like hundred and eleven votes, um, so they're obviously right there. Um, a lot of competitiveness going on in North Carolina basketball right now. Um, Pete Nance finally returning to 
to the heels after um, a concerning amount of time off um, from an injury. Um, and that's just going to add some much needed depth um, to the front court. And I'm looking forward to see kind of what the momentum of winning for the last five and hopefully coming into um, NC State and making it five of six, as well as adding that depth to the front court. I'm um, interested to kind of see what that does to the project projection of their season. Because obviously we all know they came in top dogs. They've had some difficulties. They're finally kind of trying to add some momentum after battling um, back from injuries from Pete Nance and Armando Baycott. So I'm interested to see kind of the projection of where their spring form leads them. Um, and then on the flip side of that rivalry, Duke um, also starting to kind of climb back into view. They will face number 17 Miami on Saturday for a very physical ACC matchup. Duke also creating some attention um, in the most recent polls. Also had a lot of votes out of um, the teams who are currently unranked. But I think if they go into Miami and take that matchup, I think that they will kind of mm-hmm. also climb back into view. So lots happening, especially in the ACC um, and just kind of a lot of, of moving around in the rankings. So I'm interested to see kind of what this this spring basketball season is going to look like with the development of some pretty historic blue blood programs. Awesome. Yeah. Real quick. Also in college basketball, FSU got a road win against Notre Dame, 84 71, pretty good game. The Knowles are actually four and four in conference play, <laughs> but five and 13 on the entire year. So we play better in our conference. Could um, they win the ACC and yeah, go to the, go to the, dance that's our last ditch effort so yeah moving into the divisional round of uh, the nfl we have four games that we're going to pick this week it is the elite eight of the nfl as of right now using a march madness term uh so we're going to rapid fire these picks and then that will be the end of our episode so first game on the dock for here is the jaguars they go into arrowhead they've done it already once this season and face the chiefs what are we thinking? Confusioni, I'll dish it out to you. Uh, I got to go first. Oh, gosh. Um, I picked against the Jags last week um, because I thought the Chargers had a lot more talent on their team. And I think I could say the same thing about this game. Kansas City has a lot more talent on their team. But I think that out of um, out of all the ones and twos, so that's, that's the Chiefs, the Eagles, uh, the Bills and the Niners are all the ones in one and two seeds. In my opinion, I think the Chiefs are the most susceptible to losing a game. Okay, because they've been in they've they've been here so many times. I think they might have a little bit of entitlement at this point. They've got Pat Mahomes. They've got you know a whole host of receivers. I think their defense is very susceptible. I think Trevor Lawrence will continue to put points on the board the whole game. This is a game I could see coming down to one play. I'll take the Jags in an upset. I think it's I think it's going to happen. I don't know how much further they'll go than that, but I, I think the Jags can pull this one out. I really do. Okay, I also have the Jags. Um, might be a little biased, but honestly, looking at it from a logistics standpoint, I feel like we are a team with motivation. We really have a fire as of last week. And I mean, the past like few weeks have really just been like amazing for us. And so I feel like really like, coming together for the win last week, and then we're just going to carry that energy into this Saturday into Arrowhead with their crazy fan base because I know they show out. But I feel like we can have we can have the energy that we need to pull it off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think I'm going to shock Prozy a little bit here, and um, I'm going to agree with Caleb Confucione. I ate my words last week, <laughs> so I think I'm going to round us out at everyone taking the Jags because we know where Prozy's going. But I agree. I think that Trevor Lawrence is going to come into this game with some swag. I think that he hopefully has gotten all of his interceptions out early and then some. Um, So I think that he is going to come in with some swag. I think if the defense can round up and collectively roll in with that J-Villain swagger, I think think that they could go into Arrowhead and take it. So in a close one, I am going to pick the Jags. Dude. So Trevor Lawrence doesn't lose on a Saturday, but Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs doesn't lose an arrowhead. A record is going to be broken. <laughs> Somebody's streak is going to get snapped. True that. I am so nervous for this game. I thought I was nervous for the Chargers. I thought I was nervous for the Titans. But this nervousness in my heart is unlike those two previous games. I 
want the Jags to win. I know they have the power to do it. They are the bad boys of the NFL. I don't know who keeps saying that, but that is what's buzzing around this NFL playoffs is they are a bunch of J villains. They are them boys. They are dogs. And I think that they have the firepower. They're actually the cardiac cats. If you guys wanted to know their name, cardiac cats about to have the best game of their life. I hope that they come out swinging. I'm so proud of them. Me and Laura got that 904 blood in our veins. We're yeah. super. We're so ready to just Saturday at 4:30, just show out, show up for our Jacksonville Jaguars. I hope they can win. I pray that they can win. I send my love on Angel's wings to Trevor Lawrence, <laughs> and uh, I hope shout out Great Prosy. Shout out Great Prosy for also sending his love on Angel's wings to Trevor before the game last week. So yeah, next game on the dock, we got the G Men, the New York Football Giants. Going to Philadelphia to face the Eagles. What do you think, Caleb? Give me the G-Men for two weeks straight, baby. Danny Dimes. They have t-shirts that just say Daniel Jones is good because uh-huh. people refuse to believe it. This guy is going to make he, he, he's gonna make his receivers look way better than they actually are. He's got one of the best running backs, if not the best running back in the league this year, uh, right behind him so he can depend on that. I think the Eagles were. I think the Eagles have been trending downward too, which only plays in the Giants' favor. Their yes. last like they haven't in, played in two weeks. They haven't played in a couple weeks, and yes, I understand Jalen was hurt. Jalen's coming back. Jalen's an integral part to that offense. Jalen's very dynamic. However, he hasn't played in a few weeks. This offense has been just searching for answers. I don't know if Jalen coming in is going to necessarily mean it's just going to be catalytic from the start, and they're going to mm-hmm. figure it all out. I think if. The, I think the Giants, uh, if they come in and they come in strong and at least keep it close uh, for a while, I think they'll end up winning the game. Oh, yeah. I honestly got Philadelphia. I feel like home field advantage plays a really big role. And also having Jalen Hurts, who is essential to their offense, coming back to be with the team again. Like, I just feel like they can get it done. And I will not discredit the Giants. They, like, Danny Dimes has been popping off. They've been doing really well. But I feel like Philly's got it this weekend. Yeah, I'm also going to take Philly. Um, I'm going to kind of stay on the track that Caleb was talking about when it comes to just quarterbacks not kind of getting their due. Um, I think all throughout the season, especially early, we heard a lot of experts and a lot of people just say, like, you know, you could throw any quarterback into that Philadelphia offense and they'll succeed. I think that Jalen Hurts' injury and his struggles in the last couple of weeks have kind of proved that that might be might not be the case. That he might be a more crucial part to that offense mm-hmm. um, than people you know care to admit at the beginning. Um, so he's coming back. I think he's ready. He's hungry. I think he's going to play with a chip on his shoulder. Um, I do. I I think it's going to be close, but I do have Philly taking it. Yep. I think all these divisional round games are going to be really good. From what we saw from the wild card, is any team is ready to win. Uh, I am going to take Philly. I want to see Gardner Minshew and Trevor Lawrence both in their championship rounds. I love them both dearly. Uh, I do think that Philly is going to come out swinging. I think the Giants are going to put up a good fight, but yeah, Jalen's back. And I think I think that it's going to be one of the best games in the divisional round. Uh, moving forward, going to go quickly with these last two. The Bengals go to Buffalo to play the Bills. Yeah, I've got Buffalo in this one. Buffalo's my, my pick in the AFC to make it to the Super Bowl. Uh, again, I think just playing with a lot of heart right now after the DeMar Hamlin incident. And yeah. I think, uh, you know, I, I think the Bengals are just, I think it's their time. I think they're a good team, but they've just, they've played a lot of close games lately. I think they're susceptible. Um, got the Bills. Yeah. Building off of what Caleb said, I also have the Bills for my AFC Super Bowl pick. Um, I would love it if the Jags could make it, but I feel like the Bills can pull off the win this weekend, and I feel like they can keep that momentum going to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I'm also going to kind of stay on this trend. I'm going to take the Bills as well. I think, like Caleb said, they're playing with a lot of um, love, a lot of passion um, in regard to their beloved teammate, Lamar Hamlin. Um, I think that it just means more, to quote the SEC, I think it means more to Stephon Diggs. I think that yeah. he is just he is hungry for a ring. Yeah. Um, he, wants to, he wants that finger-sized. Um, and so <laughs> I, th- I think that he's going to – play a big, big role this weekend, and I'm going to have the Bills. Yeah, I think I'm also going to take the Bills, not because of, like, I mean, yes, because of the DeMar Hamlin case, but the Bengals almost lost to a team with Tyler Huntley as their quarterback. 
So I just don't think the Bills – I think Joe Burrow is good. I think Jamar Chase is good. I just think that in Buffalo they don't have a shot. Agreed. Last game on the dock, the Cowboys with Dak Prescott go to face Brock Purdy in San Francisco. You already know I'm going with the Niners. Niners are my NFC pick for the for the uh, Super Bowl. It seemed to me after the Cowboys beat the Bucks last week that they were like celebrating and like just very happy and very content with that. Like that seemed like that was the benchmark. That was the accomplishment they wanted to hit. Whereas some of these other teams, at, such as the Niners, are like, let's keep moving, let's keep going. Job's not done. Uh, Niners are just too complete of a team. They're going to obliterate the Cowboys. I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go with the Niners as well. I was hyping up Brock Purdy a lot earlier. I think that they have all the elements that they need to win this game. And also, as a Jags fan, like, we beat the Cowboys in overtime. They were kind of salty about it. So I'm still kind of salty against the Cowboys, even though we won. So I'm going for the 49ers. Yeah, I'm also going to take the 49ers. Um, they have all, they've throughout the playoffs and even before that, they've been my NFC pick for the Super Bowl. Um, so I'm going to take them. I think that. Um, like I, we've said, they're a complete team. I I do think that Dallas keeps it close. I think they've got, obviously, a nasty pass rush. Um, their defense is, is playing with a chip on their shoulder. Dak has kind of finally found his groove again. He's playing with some swag. I think it's going to be a good game. I think mm-hmm. it'll be close, but I have the Niners taking it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great game, too. Dak played well last week. Brock Purdy just played better. So I think that the Niners are going to come out, especially in San Francisco again, and they are going to just – take the win. I think that Brock Purdy and Chris McCaffrey, Debo Samuel, Nick Bosa on the other side of the ball has the weapons to make it happen. And I picked the Niners to go to the Super Bowl. So uh, I also picked the Bengals, but they did not impress me <laughs> last week. All right. Well, that's all the picks I've got for us. Thank you to everyone who tuned in to episode 19 of To The House. We're really excited to have Matt on again and have Laura on for the first time. We hope the Jaguars have a great weekend of football, and we will see you guys next time. This is Laura, Matt, Caleb, and Caleb signing off.